Someone will know, will know that I was at the uh, Assemblies of God conference. I uh, spoke there during the week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I have to admit it was probably the most powerful time of ministry I've had at, a, at any conference. Uh, I spoke on a number of different topics, but one of the things I did focus on from time to time was on prayer. On the first night, first morning before I even got there, they had 150 of the 500 delegates, 500 plus delegates, turn up for their pre-service prayer meeting. I think 7.30 to 8.30 or something like that. I don't know how long it was. We touched on prayer on the Tuesday night. On Wednesday morning, 300 turned up for the prayer meeting. And uh, it was, they got all excited about that. So then I preached a full message on prayer on the Wednesday. And on Thursday morning, over 400 turned up for the prayer meeting. That was 85% of the delegates turned up to pray. Some of you have heard me preach that message with the cricket bat swing again, how we need to swing again in prayer. So they got the bat, they used the bat, the bat that I used there. They got me to sign it, uh, put a scripture on it. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And they're gonna put it in their national office as a memento and a reminder of the call to prayer and of what God did in that conference. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, we are having an impact uh, in this nation and beyond this nation as well. So God is incredible, isn't he? God just shows you God can do absolutely anything he wants. Boris Pilichip was a lieutenant of police in the Ukraine. He lost consciousness. They discovered he had 95% brain hemorrhage. And uh, all the tests declared him clinically dead. Christians began to pray. Two and a half hours they cried out to God without success. He died. He says in his testimony, he saw everything from above. He was looking down, I guess, upon the world and upon what was taking place. He said, suddenly he was in heaven. He said, there's this fantastic light, this huge city. And he meets Jesus. And Jesus says, you've got a wife and three children. It's not time for you to be in heaven. You have to go back. So as he's watching what's taking place, he's on a stretcher being carried to the morgue. And his wife is beside the stretcher, obviously crying. Suddenly he sits up. And the crowd run for their lives. Many fall to the floor and others are screaming. The doctors who performed the diagnosis over the next two weeks, 15 medical committees examined him because they couldn't believe that he had died, but they could not deny that this man had been raised from the dead. They all gave their lives to Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's one way to win a few souls, isn't it? Here's my point. The resurrection is the cornerstone of Christianity. It's what our faith is all about. And the more you know about the resurrection, the more you're going to experience the power of God. Because His resurrection power lives in you. 
the apostles preaching was pretty much, they reckon virtually every sermon or most sermons in the book of Acts were to do with the resurrection. The apostles gave great witness to the resurrection by signs and wonders. It was all about the resurrection. Billy Graham said, without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. So all through scripture and so many places they're preaching on the resurrection, and yet today we hear very little preaching on the resurrection. Could that explain why we see so little of the power of God? Because we're not focusing on the cornerstone of Christianity. If you've got a, something in your life that is dead, some aspect of your life that's not what it should be, it could be your health, it could be a relationship, it could be your finances, it could be a job. I'm here to tell you we serve a God of resurrection. He brings what's dead back to life. That's the whole point of Christianity. If that was not true, we're actually all wasting our time. We need to get our heads around the resurrection like never before because that's where the power lies. Sorry to get a bit excited about this on Labor Weekend. So let's go to a few scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 8. It says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and He rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. wonder how often you think about the resurrection. He was buried and rose again the third day, and He was seen by Cephas, then by the Twelve, and that He was seen by over 500 brethren all at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. This is not done in a corner, folks. After that, he's seen by James, then by all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen by me also, one born out of due time. Philippians 3, verse, well, actually, the resurrection, you can put it this way, it proves that everything Jesus said about himself was true. No one else in the history of the world said, I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to rise again. When that happens, you've got to believe that what he says is true. What did he say he was? He said he was the son of God and that he was the savior of the world. He died for the sins of humanity that anyone who believes in Jesus would be saved and spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. What he said is true. The resurrection bears testimony to that. The apostle Paul put it this way, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul wanted to know two things. He wanted one to know God and he wanted to know the power of the resurrection. And I'm telling you, that's my prayer as well. I'm praying a lot these days, and I'm saying, God, I want to experience a, a real Christianity. Yeah. According to the Scriptures, according to the New Testament, I want a real presence, not just, oh, I think he's there. No, I want a real presence. I want real power. I want to see real miracles. Anyone with me? Yeah. I want to see real answers to prayer. I want to see the real glory of God. I want to see the, the real sick healed. I want to see real answers to prayer. I want to see real encounters with God that change and transform lives. I want real Christianity. I don't want just enough. I don't want to, I don't want to live on the fringes of Christianity. I want to dive deep into what I see in this book, and I want to experience it. And one of the ways you can experience it is when you begin to understand and lay hold of the resurrection. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the power of God that's in you, you and I, this resurrection power. So the reason that church is on Sunday, you all know that, don't you? You all know, don't you, why it's Sunday? 
Because that's when Jesus rose from the dead. Hello? Every time we gather on Sunday, it's a reminder that resurrection power is right here in the midst of us. That we're, we're celebrating that Jesus overcame death. He conquered the enemy. Anything that's dead, he can bring back to life. That's why you come to church on a Sunday to experience his resurrection power to bring to life whatever may have died in your life. Don't get too excited about that, will you? Resurrection power. So we got a testimony that came in recently. A lady had a frozen shoulder. Since the date, August 21, two tears in the rotator calf, causing tremendous pain. Her mobility was severely impacted. She comes to a church service, and I do what I often do. I've got people to stand. I say, come on, reach out, believe for your miracle. I preached on faith. So she reached out, believed for a miracle, and nothing happened. She went home. Next day she gets up, she starts doing her exercises, and suddenly her arm can go right over her head, and suddenly her hand can go out, could only go out a few degrees, could go right out again. Her frozen shoulder was healed by the power of God. She makes an interesting comment. She says, I don't know why it happened through praying in a service in church and not at other times. I'm telling you one reason, there's so much more faith when we're gathered together in God's house. Lauren Cunningham, for some of you might need to hear this, said, put your dreams on the altar for they will be resurrected into something even grander. You got a dream? Seems to have died. Seems to be gone. Put it back on the altar. He's the God of resurrection. I've had dreams die. And God has raised them up again. Give it back to Jesus. Give him your dream. And let him resurrect it. And bring it forth once more. Let me talk to you for a few minutes about in a very vital area in which you need to know the resurrection power of God. Listen carefully. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego put into the fiery furnace was heated up seven times over. And we know Jesus was with them in the fire, and they came out without the smell of smoke. In other words, they were untarnished by the fiery trial that they had been in. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ can help you get through the severest trial, pain, hurt, disappointment, loss, betrayal, without the smell of smoke. In other words, you're absolutely sweet, you're absolutely lovely, you're kind. No one would ever know that you've been through it. There's no unforgiveness, there's no resentment, there's no bitterness, There are no grudges. You cannot do that in your own strength. But the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, he who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And you can come out with the smell of no smoke. So tell the person next to you, no smell of smoke, please. 
Tell the person on the other side. You know why, folks? Listen, when you have the smell of smoke, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, all that stuff, you're not nice to be around. You are not nice to be around because it all comes out of you. It seeps out of you. The bitterness, the anger, the resentment just comes out of you. You talk to some people, you know within seconds they've got the smell of smoke. But friends, you're not to have that because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. He can bring you through with no smell of smoke. No smell of smoke. You know, one of the problems with, uh, with uh, unforgiveness and uh, offence, you know one of the problems with it? Why it gets Christians? Feels justified. I have every right to be offended. And you almost feel good about it. Oh yeah, I'm offended by what you did to me. I have every right to be unforgiving. It's a trap of the devil. He's very cunning, isn't he? Very deceptive. Friends, we have no right to be offended or to maintain offense or to have unforgiveness in our lives. They say that the biggest work of the devil in the last two years in the church has been offense. People all over the place are offended. And it's going to cause them great difficulties in their lives moving forward unless they get a hold of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and come free of it. <clears throat> so there was, um, oh, I missed out a whole th- oh, missed out a whole section here. Oh my goodness, how did I do that? <clears throat> it's all right, never mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we need to repent and give up of our right to be offended. How about that? Tell the person next to, that's good preaching. (laughs) Give up your right to be offended. Give up your right to hold on to unforgiveness. There's a lady in our church sent through a testimony recently, amazing testimony. Had a lot of personal struggles. Marriage fell apart. Was offended with God and with Christians. So much so, stopped coming to church for three years. Wow, it's a long time. Finally returned to church this year. Still offended. Came to an hour of power, one of those prayer services that we have at night. So we prayed into this area. And God set her free of being offended and gave her the ability to forgive. But then her parents wanted residency, but the x-ray of the father showed cancer in the lungs, which would hinder residency. Came to a second hour of power, cried out to God, went for further x-rays, and all the cancer had disappeared. She says this, I wish the hour of power service was held every other Sunday, because there's a special anointing She said, I got four miracles in those two hour of power services. I came back to God. I was set free of offense and unforgiveness. My parents, uh, the the father's cancer was healed and my parents got their visa. I'm telling you folks, there's resurrection power in our midst. 
There's resurrection power in our services. You just start to dare to believe it and start to see what God will do. We're getting testimonies. If you've got a testimony, please send it in. They're so, so encouraged. I could share more, but I haven't got time for them. But God is doing some incredible things. We're on a journey of restoring the power of God, and we're going to see it in, in increasingly wonderful, wonderful ways, that every Sunday there should be miracles in the place, because this is resurrection. When it took place, it took place when Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. But let me talk to you for a few minutes about something you want to really hear about, and that is resurrection by bodies. Resurrection bodies. 1 Corinthians 15, 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What was sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. In other words, your resurrection body will never die. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. His disciples, so this is the sort of body you're going to have, okay? Get ready for this, folks. So that the disciples could physically touch the body. But what I like is he could travel through doors. He could travel through walls. That's what you're going to be able to do when you've got Who's looking forward to the resurrection body? Three people. All right. You better look forward to it because you're going to get one as long as you get saved. He could also still eat and drink. Thank you, Jesus. Still be able to have my curry for sure and love it every moment, every minute. I'll be able to have my curry. Uh, resurrection bodies, it's fantastic. And, uh, uh, but the resurrection of your body will occur at the end of the age when Christ returns. It's a transformation of the body that you have on earth, but it will be a fantastic, glorified body. You will love it. So never again will you look in the mirror and think, oh no. What happened? No, no, in the future, if they have mirrors on, if they have mirrors, you're gonna look in the mirror and you're gonna say, oh yes, I love it. So what's going to happen, folks? You know, there's a big issue this today, isn't there, about people's bodies. It knocks them out. People get depressed and all the rest of it. But you get, there's a day coming. You're going to have the body of all bodies, the resurrection body made provided for you by Jesus himself, and you are going to be so happy with your new resurrection body. But you know, one of the things the resurrection deals with, faith in resurrection, is one of man's greatest fears, and that is the fear of death. So many people have a fear of death. But believing in the resurrection, we know that death is not the end. It's a graduation. We go to heaven to be forever with the Lord. It's a great reward. Do you know, Paul, he couldn't wait to get to heaven. He is such a, you know, he said that I might know, you know, that I might know the resurrection. He wanted to know the power of the resurrection. He is such a revelation. He said, to, for, for me to be with Christ is far better. But I have to hang around for you lot so I can still minister to you. That's what Paul said. Such a revelation of the resurrection. So if you can get that, you're not going to have to worry about death anymore because Jesus conquered death. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 55. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The world says life is swallowed up in death. The Bible says death is swallowed up in life. As Christians, you only really begin to live when you get to the other side. It's not on this hell-bound earth. Many of us are trying to have a fantastic life on earth. Folks, you're on a losing battle. You're surrounded by sin and all, all the negativity of what's happening in the world. But wait till you get to the other side, which isn't that far away, folks. You didn't like that, did you? It's not far away. Because you know your life is a shadow. It's a moment. It's a whisper, it's a second, and you're
gone. And it's a great thing because you get to the other side and enjoy heaven forever. So Tim Keller says, Tim Keller says after his resurrection, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 28, 28, 20, I'm with you always. I want to talk just for a few minutes about how God is with you always. What did he mean by I'm with you always? Number one, he's with you in every aspect of your life. What does that mean? Jesus rose from the dead. <clears throat> he's seated in the right hand of the Father in heaven. It means he's in control of everything. How many of you know that Jesus is in control of everything? You're not sure? No. How many of you know he's in control of everything? Yeah, yeah he is, right? <clears throat> so what does that mean? It means he's in control of your life. He's in control of every aspect of your life. He rules everything, all right? So he's always working for you, and he's always with you all the time. One of the things we need to understand is the cross-resurrection principle. <clears throat> All the evil at the cross, all the hatred, all the betrayal, all the mocking, the pain, the injustice, all of it resulted in what? The greatest victory ever. When Jesus conquered Satan, he worked salvation, and he earned heaven and eternal life for every single one of us. Now you think about the disciples. They've seen Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, uh, and do uh, work miracles. But they're now standing at the cross. They're watching what is taking place and all the wickedness and evil. And they're thinking, how can anything good come out of this mess? Are you looking at your life right now? And are you saying, how can anything good come out of this mess? What you need to understand is the cross and the resurrection principle where God can take any defeat he can take any cross in your life and he can work it for something unbelievably good. That is a cross resurrection principle. That's what Christianity is all about. With God, it's never over. You know, it's never finished. While God is with you, he is working. He is with you, working on your behalf, working something amazing, something good, something fantastic out of what you are going through today. How many of you can believe that? You need to believe it because it's actually true. It's actually the reality of what is going on in your life. That is a cross-resurrection principle. God can work good out of anything. It may not happen next week, but it will happen. So you can be at peace. You can be at peace. Why? God's with you. And he's working everything for your good. Just hang around and see. He will do. <clears throat> Secondly, he's with you in Christian community. I want you to really listen to this. It's not easy to <clears throat> convey what I mean here, but I want you to listen with both ears. He's with you in Christian community. See, when Jesus said, I'm with you always, he's talking to a group. It's plural. I'm with you present in a special way when you're gathered in community. Interesting, isn't it? Where two or more are gathered, there am I in the midst, there's a special presence. C.S. Lewis, see if you can follow this, he lost two friends. Sorry, he had two friends, he lost one. But he realized, when he lost one, he realized he could no longer see certain things in the friend that was still alive 
things that only the first friend brought out of him. So when he lost the first friend, he also lost part of the second friend. What does all this mean? It means it takes a whole community to draw the full person out. Anyone with me? So to really know another person, you have to see them in the full community of believers. You have to see them relate to a lot of people, not just to you. I saw a leader, and I experienced this recently, saw a leader, and he'd been through things, terrible things, that most leaders would be pretty disappointed, hurt, upset, and angry towards those that had done this. And yet this leader was unbelievably gracious and kind. And so I saw an aspect of that man I would have never seen if I didn't see him in community. But I also saw an aspect of God through this man that I would never have seen if I wasn't also involved in that community. See, you've got to be deeply connected with others to discover who you really are and your place in the body of Christ. And many people are trying to do it on their own. You can't do it on your own. Christianity is all about one another. It's all about being connected. So if you're a hand, there's no way you're going to function that well if you're not connected to the rest of the arm. And the arm's connected to the shoulder. And so some people, they're a hand, but they're not functioning as they should because they're not deeply involved in community. And if you think about it, you really need to be connected to the whole body. It's no good if your hand is connected to the arm, but then you're not connected to anything else. You're just connected to one or two. No, no, you need to be a part of the whole body to, dis- to be able to function as God has called you to function, but also to even discover what your purpose and what your place is in the body. See, we're all a part of a body. Is that right? We can't be isolated. We can't be out there. We can't be in church on an irregular basis and think, oh, I'll turn up now and then. Now and then I'll miss that and miss that. No, 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 friends, you've got to be deeply connected to community, to the body of believers, to discover who you really are, to find your place in God, and to be able to fulfill your calling and your destiny. Don't all clap at the same time, please. (laughs) Give me some feedback. I'm very quiet this morning, but I'm going to keep going anyway. <clears throat> I guess I'm just used to the conference. Everyone's yelling and shouting the whole time, so <laughs> I've got to adjust myself back. If we're not connected to the body, you'll never function as God intended. Yeah. Ezekiel 37 is interesting, isn't it? When the spirit moves, what happens? There's a rattling, there's a sound. Bones start coming together, bone to bone. The body gets connected, the body gets joined together. Body finds its place, every bone gets connected to the right place, you know, where it's meant to be, and all the bones come together. And when the spirit moves and bone to bone to bone, guess what, we end up with an exceedingly great army. 
And one of the reasons a Western church is not an exceedingly great army is that we are too separated and we're too isolated and we're not bone to bone and connected one to another. So we function where we're meant to function. We're connected where we're meant to connect it. And we're deeply connected to the community of believers that God has placed us in. So this is a call, friends, to be connected. This is a call to come together. He said, I'm with you always, but more so in the community of believers together. And if there's one thing that God was teaching us through COVID, it's the importance of being in community. Community is a huge gift from God because if you truly embrace it, then you're gonna see another side of God and you're also gonna see another side of yourself and another side of other people. You know, you will not come out in the fullness of who you are unless you're really in community. They will draw it out of you. Me being in this community draws things out of me that would, would never happen if I was just isolated. There's things, wonderful things to be drawn out of you, yet they'll come as you're deeply connected to community. Many of us are just connected to community. We're somewhat connected to community. But my question is, are you deeply connected to this body of believers? When you do that, your life will go to another place. But you know, not only that, you're never fully going to know Jesus unless you're deeply involved in community. If you really want to know all about Jesus, what he's really like, because you've got to see him working in and through other people. You know, you also hear things from Jesus through others that you would not otherwise hear. Think about this, forgiveness. You know, you need forgiveness situations. So you reach out to God and, in Lord, I've confessed my sins, and he forgives you, and it's great. But when you confess to another person, and they say, I forgive you, it can be even more powerful as you feel like Jesus is saying, I forgive you, and he's speaking through those people, or through that person. That's the power, friends, of being in community with one another. And you've heard heard me preach about postcards from God. When God sends a a reminder of how much he loves you, you know, you get it, something happens in your life, you get this card, hey, just, you know, Jesus saying, I just love you, I've been thinking of you. Where do those postcards come from? Community. Come from others in the community. They reach out to you and show you their love and their kindness. Finally, as I wrap it up, it says, I'm with you to the very end. (laughs) See, I'm with you in every aspect of the life. I'm with you in community. Christian community, I'm with you to the very end. The end of your story, if you believe in Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus, he will be there with you at the end. And whatever your story is, there will be a happy ending because you get to heaven to be with Jesus forever. John 14, verse 12, Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me and my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus is preparing a place for you right now in heaven. It's waiting for you. Aaron Baker, Eric Baker, was a missionary in Portugal. It got very dangerous during World War II, so he sent his wife and eight children back to England. Sunday after their departure, Baker told the congregation, I've just received word, all my family arrived home safely. Proceeded with the meeting, worship service. After the service, the full meaning of what he said was explained. Eric Baker, just before the the service, received a telegram saying a submarine had torpedoed the ship and all his family had drowned. But Eric Baker knew because his family were all saved. They had, in fact, arrived home safely. 
their heavenly home. And they would soon, because all say, they would soon be united together again. That's the message of the resurrection. Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not everyone will be in heaven. Not everyone's going to get there. There are a lot of areas in which you can make a mistake. In your finances, you might make a mistake. You can get it sorted out. In your workplace, you can make a mistake. In sports, game, you can make a mistake. You can be okay. But in the question of eternity, no one can afford to be wrong. Only those who have given their hearts to Jesus will be saved. The musicians would please come. There is no second chance. We're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying going to the land of the living. That is the message of the resurrection.